1: was it was like my mom's financial advisor and so she's like you need to open an uh, an IRA so I was like okay and just did that and then I think I, I just don't know what happened to it
2: so, so there's 30k in there so I don't know that's if I can. Could... a little that's not a little bit of money and it's are you sure it's not deductible none of that none of that is pre-tax Hello, and welcome to Financial's podcast, Future Rich. I am your host, Barbara Ginty, and I'm also a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I am here with my guest today, Anna. Hi, Anna. Hi, Barbara. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself so our our listeners know who you are, where you live, what you do, all that jazz? Yeah, that's great.
1: So I'm Anna. Um, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I am 38, going to be 39 in a couple months, Um, and I work in technology sales uh, for a SaaS startup, and I have two young children. So I have a five-year-old boy and a two-year-old girl, and I'm married. busy? Yeah. And
2: you're married. Okay. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Um, And what does your spouse do? Yeah. So my partner is in the food and beverage industry, so he works for a um, uh, wine and... Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, I really don't know exactly what he does, but yeah.
2: <laughs> um, and then, how much do you make, and how much does he make, approximately?
1: Yeah, so we both have base and commission jobs. So okay. um, currently, my base is around 150k uh, with 110 variable commission. Um, my husband has like around 135k base with a variable commission around 30k. Okay,
2: 135 for his base, and then 35 variable. Yeah. Okay, nice. And you had submitted that you wanted to talk about. Do you want to tell our listeners? Yeah. What you're so yeah. I don't
1: know if I'm having like a midlife crisis, or you know, since I'll be 40 next year, but I feel like financially, um, you know, I've been pretty good. I feel like I've been pretty good in terms of saving and understanding where the money's coming and going. Um, My husband, you know, in his 20s didn't save that aggressively. So I feel like we've been playing catch up. Um, But I'm not too happy in my current job. And I've been doing tech sales for over 13, 14 years. And so I'm wanting to get a more comprehensive understanding of like where we are financially. And is there potentially an opportunity to make a shift Um, Mm -hmm. as I'm entering like my 40s of you know, could I take a lower paying role or lower paying type job? Or my husband's philosophy is like, just hammer it out for another like five to 10 years. And like, you know, we'll be in a good spot. And so I just don't know. And I've never talked to a CFP. Um, I've kind of just kind of dabbled in our own little things thinking we're doing the right thing. And I'm like, okay, we need to just like figure out what we're doing. And it could be a good catalyst to say, hey, I can pivot and maybe. Do a less stressful job, or something I've really been interested in for a while, or it's you no know, keep on what you're doing if you want to keep up like your lifestyle and Style. support your children and all of that, and you know you're gonna have to do it for a little bit more.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting spot to be because yeah, when you're approaching forty, you've been in your career for quite a bit of time, and so I think it seems like this happens quite often. I've like oh. noticed amongst my friend group that around this age, people investigate maybe something different because if you've been in a high stress role for over a decade it's a long time yeah to like yeah. always be under the gun
1: yeah and so I, yeah I, I you know and i i'm currently okay in my current job but i'm just not thrilled so i'm like okay do i pivot to something similar or is it now the time i can actually make a, a really serious change that i can do mm-hmm. for the next you know 20 years or whatever it may be so i'm not sure
2: all right. Well, let's talk about your, where you are with your finances currently. The first thing, I'm I, if just without knowing your numbers, but my yeah. first thing is probably we'd want to get through the daycare phase. I'm yes. assuming since you're both yeah. working, the kids are in daycare. OK, yes. so we'll talk about that because that's obviously a huge expense. Yes. But let's go through the numbers and see where you are. And I would just say probably if you were going to pivot, we'll see what the numbers say, but it would probably be once your youngest is out of daycare.
1: Yeah. And we actually just paid for her last like full year of Mm -hmm. like intensive daycare. She'll be 4 she'll be able to qualify for transitional kindergarten in California when she's four, which means no paying for like full day daycare. But we still have after school care, which is an additional expense. So Um, and it's been a little bit with our finances because we have this variable commission. We almost plan like, in chunks of, like, hey, I know I'm going to have, like, uh, this our uh, property tax bill two times a year. We don't plan it out monthly. And then, like, child care, it's like, okay, we get a credit and a discount if we pay up front in the beginning of Mm -hmm. the year. So we just kind of use a lump sum to do that. So I feel like I've been, like, to my fault, like, just keeping cash on hand in probably too many places to, like, account for some of those expenses if we don't get a, a bigger commission check for the year and things like that. So
2: yeah, that's the hard part about having variable income, especially because yours is very significant, right? Totally. Like if you hit your numbers, you almost can double your income. But it also is hard for planning purposes because you don't know if you're going to get it or not. So you don't want to count on it from a budget standpoint.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, um so I, I guess I can share the childcare, which is just a little bit tricky because. Um, so for my daughter, we just paid up front for childcare for nine months. So it was 20,000. That's a big number. I know. It's so, it's so expensive. It's our last year.
2: <laughs> it's your last year. And the other thing that I think is really interesting, I just had a conversation on is if you or your husband had stepped out of the workplace for that time, it is so much harder to go back to a role at that level because you've been out of the workforce for five or six years. Yeah. You know, it's, it's harder to step in. So even though it's very expensive, it does allow you to maintain your career at that level, right? Without taking a step, an income hit in your career. Instead, you're paying to maintain your career, right? By yeah. by not stepping away. Yeah. Um, yeah. They- so it's a big
1: pill to swallow, um, and yeah, and it's just being in the Bay Area. It's just so expensive and we really love her daycare or her her preschool um and so i was like okay we can just we can do it for one more year um and then
2: that's your last big daycare expense really
1: that is our last big daycare okay. expense we will have um next year their summer program is separate okay who knows why um so it's about like $2000 for like 7 weeks of the summer um, Okay, that will pay in 2025
2: Okay, so, yeah. so summer – and that's for both kids or just – No, just one. So her, then my her, okay. son
1: is in the phase – or he's in kindergarten. So it's – we pay for after-school care for him, which is about $500 a month.
2: A month, okay.
1: Yeah. In 2025, school year of 2025, my daughter will be in that. So then we'll just – we'll be paying 1000 for both it. of them um, okay. is what we see. And then summer—that's for the school year. Summer—it's t- going to be a range of like summer camps and okay after sc- or not after so it's summer. So things there. So I'm thinking it'll probably for the summer, maybe like fifteen hundred to twenty-five hundred a month. Uh, n- um, no, for, for, for f- two months. Yeah, for for those for two, two months, months in the okay. summer. Yeah.
2: So summer feels like a steal compared to the year,
1: <laughs> yeah. right? I know it's like great. Let's let's do it. It's it's ridiculous.
2: All right. So those are the expenses we have that will be coming up once because you've already prepaid for this yeah. remainder the remaining year for your daughter. Okay, and then let's talk about what your let's start with what your net income is. We'll talk. Let's we could talk about the uh, variable comp, and then we'll let's see what your savings debt so forth is and then we can kind of see if there's room for a pivot
1: okay so i mean (laughs) i don't feel like i'm don't track it like exactly by the numbers um but i do have a spreadsheet of like okay after taxes are taken out roughly just on my base what my take home is and then um we then have like insurance and Mm -hmm. um FSA and some of those that are taken out afterwards. So just the monthly income for me is around like seven thousand. Okay. And then for my husband, it's around five to fifty five hundred consistently. Okay. And then in terms of health insurance, is that do what that comes out is- of? Yeah, that comes out of mine, and it's okay. five, and it's for the full whole family, and it's five twenty eight. Okay. Per month
2: that's great for the whole family
1: yeah 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 and then are you
2: what you're contributing to a 401k
1: yeah yes so we both are we kind of depending on our commission towards the end of the year january we we pretty much change the um
0: contribution
1: right. to be to be higher so yeah so we both max out um last year we were able to max out by march
2: Perfect. Um, using yeah. bonuses
1: Uh, Using our, yeah, our variable commission this year, I think it might take a little bit longer, but like, I don't know what the right philosophy is, but I'm kind of like, I'd rather get it done earlier in the year and then have my paychecks be a little bit higher consistently throughout the rest of the year. Um, but we both are committed to maxing that out. Um, we both don't have Matt currently have matches, which is unfortunate. So it's okay. We're both at kind of smaller startup type companies, so it's max it out as soon as we can and then have it do what it needs to do,
2: okay, perfect. So you're each gonna put this year twenty three thousand in, okay, yes, R- right yeah, I mean
1: i I think I put like right now it's like taking like fifty percent out of my paycheck. <laughs> um, so whatever okay. it is to get to the limit is, the is limit. What we're okay. trying to do. So,
2: yeah, I just asked because sometimes when i people when I say you're maxing it out to the limit and they say, yes, I'm matching you know, I'm going to 6% or something. And I'm like, no, no, no. The IRS limit of $23,000. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And okay. did that go so, up
1: this year too? I feel like yeah. it changes every
2: year. It does. Incrementally. Some years it stays the same, but overall it usually goes up incrementally to okay keep in line with cost of, cost of living adjustments. Yeah, um, sure. So, and that's pre-tax, I'm assuming, given that you're in a high cost of living yes. area. Yes. High tax bracket. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. That's good. That'll lower your taxable income, which will be helpful. Yeah. Okay. So we both max out, which is great. Um, Okay. So then from there, health insurance is taken care of the FSA you do and 401k. Yeah. 5,000. Okay. And so then we're working with approximately on a net basis. Your take home is 7,000 a month and your husband's is 5,000. How do you all split? This is always different based on the couple, how do you all split the finances?
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's not perfect. So we still have our own checking and savings, um, that we just have had forever. So when we got married, we ended up putting like a joint checking and savings mm-hmm. through our credit union. Um, and then we still though manage our own and then put in, it's not like necessarily an allocated percentage, but like we both to start putting in money in the joint to know, okay, the mortgage is coming up or this big expense is coming up. Um so that's how we do that. We also both have our own personal credit cards. Um mm-hmm. we don't use them regularly, but for just some things where we're like, you know what, I'm going on a girls' trip, I want to put it on my card and just it kind of feels like it's your own, even though mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like it is our we're sharing the money. Um, and then we have a joint credit card for mostly all of the other like family expenses.
2: expenses. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. There's no, I I am not a believer that there's a right or wrong. I think that you choose what is the most comfortable and works for you. Dave Ramsey has very strong opinions on how it has to be. I think that everyone can choose their own (laughs) path as long as it works for them, right? Everyone's relationship is different. Okay. So let's talk about now that we know you have what you have approximately coming in. Let's talk about what the expenses are. So you said you own a a property, you own your home. Yes. We own
1: our home and we bought it in 2018.
2: Oh, good. So you got in before the craziness of, of COVID. Did you? And what's your interest rate?
1: Um, so we refinanced. We've already we refinanced twice. <laughs> so, okay. um So right now, I think we're at two point five, um, mm-hmm. which we did during COVID. So.
2: Amazing. That's a great. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we'll see those rates. I know. And I was again. upset
1: what? having to refinance. I was like, we're doing this again. Like, and but I'm very
2: very happy we ended up doing that. So. Yeah. That was, yeah. you nailed the timing. I don't know <laughs> that anybody got lower than 2.5. Yeah. Okay. So what is your uh, mortgage amount or carrying cost for the- for
1: Yeah. The so mortgage is around 3,000 a month. Okay. Um, We pay 4,000 just as like, just a, let's just pay over- Why? If, if,
2: you have the lowest interest rate in history-
1: so I don't know, more. I don't because we can, I guess. And I don't know if it's like, I think there's this philosophy of do me you, of like, have no debt, ever, just pay it down. I don't know. No, no. keep it. Okay. <laughs>
2: keep it. I also have a two and a half percent mortgage. I agree. I would love to have no debt, but from a leverage standpoint, it is, we're going to talk about this when we talk about pivoting, okay. but there's, there's a thousand dollars. That we can use for something. That you can use. They, like, because you're, Two and a half percent is like a mortgage nobody has, right? Yeah. Very few people have. The people that refinanced at the right time got very, very lucky. Mm-hmm. Also, is it a 30 year or a 15 year?
1: It's 30. Um, okay. Yeah. And I think our philosophy was like, when we refinance, I always wanted to be like, hey, if one of us loses our job, like mm-hmm. could someone still be able to cover the mortgage? And so I think mm-hmm. my why we've been paying more, it's like, okay, well, we're both working. So we might as well mm-hmm. put more in because we can. But given my kind of, Circumstances now of maybe wanting to see what else is there, it it probably makes sense not to be doing that.
2: Yeah, well, we can talk about it. So thirty yeah. year isn't as lean as a fifteen year. Yeah. So you're reducing the interest overall that you're going to pay, but a two and a half percent. I mean, you're not right. I mean, yeah. They like gave you free money. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically, because like what you're going to pay in taxes to get the thousand dollars, right? If you yeah. think about what you had to make to net a thousand to then put it on. The mortgage, which is a two and a half percent interest rate, if you could make seven and a half in the market, right? But there's nothing wrong with paying down. I mean, that's fine. But I think that's money we could use. And what you actually would have to earn to net your thousand is a lot more. Yeah. Okay. In a high bracket, so that's like found money in terms of like wanting to make a career shift. That's yeah, that's some money right there. Okay. But I, there's a lot of people that don't like having any debt, and I'm not opposed to having very lean mortgage debt, and then using the money to further other financial goals. Yeah, and
1: that's what I wasn't even sure too of. Like, okay, if we have a good commission year, like I know mm-hmm. some people who take that and just put it down towards their house and just continue mm-hmm. to kind of etch away at that exp- or at that um, at the mortgage. We haven't done that yet. It's just been this kind of monthly um, paying over on the monthly, but.
2: Um, Let me give you yeah. another way to think about it. You could take that money, invest it, and what it's earning you could use to pay off the mortgage oh, and you got still it. have the principal amount, right? Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. That's another way to think about it. Uh, just because when you, when you like analyze like wealthier people, they like leverage, right? So they don't think about debt necessarily as a negative thing if they're using it to maximize other goals, yeah. right? So they lend against their investment accounts. They take out mortgages, right? And so we can use that money other, other ways. And you're still getting a tax write-off, which is valuable in your tax bracket. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful for the interest. Yeah. So we, we can dive into that a little bit more, but that's great to know. So, uh, you also have obviously a very, for your income, you have a very reasonable housing cost, which is wonderful. And that also gives you a lot more flexibility with what job you have and what income, right? So if you said your mortgage was 10,000, it would be very hard to pivot. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I, we are never going to be in that position. And I think, okay. I mean, we're in a very old house. And so we've had a lot of Expenses come up and I think we can get into this of why I've like hoarded cash because I just probably more than I've, I I could have put it somewhere else, but it's just like with this house we don't know what's gonna happen. Um so we've always having this buffer. Like right now, we might have to replace our heating, which is thirty thousand dollars. That is just Houses it's are very expensive. expensive.
2: Yeah. Yes. Um if you've listened to the podcast, I have a very old, old old house. Yeah. We have a hard time together. They're charming, it's but
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, we just got our heating bill and it was $500 just to like heat the house. I mean, we're in California, so it's it's expensive, but just to even heat
2: our home. I'm like, that could go towards like so many other things. Big. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, okay. Perfect. So housing, you're spending 4000 because yeah. you're doing $1,000 prepayment of principal. Uh, you have a 30-year fixed rate mortgage at 2.5%, which is a dream. And then what are some of your other monthly expenses?
1: Okay, so I don't do a good I do an okay job um, okay. like categorizing it, but like I said, that we have some of these like bigger expenses throughout the year that maybe we weren't planning. so it's hard to account them into like a monthly monthly. But I That's would fine. say like on average, so groceries for a family of four, I'd say on average we're about 700 a month okay we do eat out I would say that ranges from about 150 to 250 a month okay this all feels very low does it Mm -hmm. mm-hmm okay sometimes if well and then I have like a Costco expense so like some months we spend 500 at Costco but then we don't go for like three months so I just on my spreadsheet I have like a Costco line item which I'm just looking at like through the year it says we spend about two thousand dollars at costco a year so it's like a couple big
2: for trips yeah. big
1: trips for you know all sorts of things so our actual biggest line item expense just in like day-to-day is amazon which i i took amazon off of my phone because okay. i found myself just like oh Clicking. i mean yes and okay. And I will show you. So it says here, and like, we have young kids, so it's like, Hey, they need this, this. And so, but it says we spent
2: $5,000 on the Amazon this year,
1: which feels like so, a lot.
2: Yeah. But, but I mean, it depends on what you're getting. Cause you can get grocery items on the Amazon, right? Like, are you getting like, uh, not really?
1: I feel no, like okay. we're getting like, I mean, but it's just like, you, I mean, we are doing some household items and like, okay. you know, personal shampoo and things like mm-hmm. that. But it's also like, Hey, we're going on a, trip with the kids, like we need all the stuff that they can do on like the airplane, or hey, Christmas okay. is coming up. Like it just I a goal of this year is just to cut back on, on Amazon. Impulse Amazon purchases that okay. I could do without we could do without I feel like. And then do you have cars? Um yes, our cars are paid off. Okay, um, great. Yes, yeah, So I would though like my car is eleven years old. Um so I don't know timing wise, but I would eventually like to have a new vehicle um, okay. I don't know if we would do car payment or just pay in cash. I don't know if you have a, a p- position on that. I'm curious to see how much you have in cash. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you. Um, but our, let's see, car payments or no. So registration for cars for the year is about 500. Insurance is a little bit expensive for cars. Okay. So we do two payments through the year, um, 1,200 Okay. every six months, I think. My okay, husband so has a more expensive car.
2: Yeah. So it seems like, though, on a, so you pay for your big expenses up front. So you also mentioned you with property. Is that not escrowed into your mortgage? You pay no. property separate?
1: Yeah, we pay property separate. Um, okay. And I don't know why. I think we did that because we didn't want to pay, like, have it included in all the taxes and fees when we first did the mortgage. Um, but yeah, so that is expensive or for where we are. Let me find what we're paying in price that's two payments a year at 6700.
2: Okay, so those are yeah, those are big numbers. Yeah.
1: And that, and those are ones that we just do, you know, at March With or when up. and just do it in one lump sum. Lump sum. Yeah.
2: Okay. And any other besides the, the child care property tax? Any other really big and the car insurance? Any other really big
1: lump um and just lump looking. Um I mean, so we both have life insurance. Those are about okay. $800 a year payment. It's actually not well, that of- not that big, but
2: what kind of life insurance?
1: Um, so we have. I have a twenty-five year plan that I got two years ago to get me to ride right around sixty for one point five million, and that's term term. Yeah, perfect. Okay, good. Um, and then my husband has a twenty-year term um, okay. for a million. Perfect, great. Yeah, and that was that was a big goal. Of, I we hadn't done it, and so mm-hmm. during COVID, we finally were like, we need to get this figured out. So.
2: Um, yeah, perfect. In terms the way, it. yeah, terms of the way to go. Uh, what's the remaining mortgage amount? Six eighty. Okay, perfect. So that's perfect because if anything happens to either one of you, should you want to, not necessarily have to, but should you want to, you could get rid of the mortgage, still have money left over, help care for the kids, right? Yeah. So I think that's that's great, and it takes you to the to the point where the kids are now adults, and so yeah. they're the financial needs. So that's great.
1: Okay. Yeah. And, and I wasn't sure. Cause we had expensive. it. Yeah. We had it to about 60. So I'm like, Oh, I don't know. Should we like do a little bit more to get to mm-hmm. like 65. But I felt like that would give us enough where our kids are old, like old enough that we would feel okay with what we, what else we have to to support.
2: Yeah. And so remember with, with term insurance, this isn't often advertised up until usually the last year, you could convert a portion of it to permanent if you want it to. Oh, okay. So, You have that optionality. Um, I think the reason is they always want to be able to upsell you. So they have that in there. So you could always just say, you know, in 23 years, I do feel like I have a need for a $100,000 policy. So you would take the 1.5 down to a 100. You would get a quote for it. It would be more expensive, obviously, but you could convert a portion of it. If you wouldn't convert 1.5, that would be astronomical. But there's that. And remember, you're still really young. So you could always say... I'm gonna go and look for another policy should something change. Yeah. But that at least you have that. Okay. So that's good. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. Okay. So we would so would it be fair to say on a regular monthly basis, just ballparking, you probably need around fifty five, six thousand on your month for your monthly expenses. Yeah, that's what I feel that's what I think. So
1: yeah, because we didn't factor in like PGE sometimes or mm-hmm. Um, cell phones. Cell phones, Wi-Fi. yeah, um, cable internet, you know,
2: clothing. So probably so 6,000, I'd say 6,000,
1: 6,500 60, would be, okay. si- yeah, would be safe. Fair. And then we have like kid activities, which okay come um, in and out, so.
0: This is the story of the wand. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping.
2: Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. That's why for the last three years, I've been drinking AG1 every day with no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel ready to take on my day. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit. that's also powerfully simple. With AG1, I know I'm getting essential brain, gut, and immune health support with vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods. I like to think of it as my nutritional insurance. I know I'm covering my nutritional basis from the very start of the day. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. So if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2, And five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash future rich. That's drinkag1.com forward slash future rich. Check it out. So given that your monthly, not including the bonuses, just your base salaries is 12, you're spending like 50% of okay. that, yeah, maybe a little bit more still being able, even if you spend all of your take home, your husband's really isn't being utilized for your monthly needs. And then you're using that variable comp to pay some of the bigger expenses daycare being, I mean, obviously the that biggest. was the, yeah. the biggest uh, property tax being second at, you know, and that has that been going up every year or has it been consistent?
1: Um, it has been going up, but I'd say roughly around like that's, what we've kind of allocated. though.
2: Yeah. 13, 14,000. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: So let's talk about where you are, if that's okay. I was with. Like, I forgot one more thing. We do both oh, do, sure. um, I guess this one, yeah, but we do a lump sum in our uh, IRAs every year mm-hmm. too. So that's like 6,500.
2: What IRAs? Uh, Traditional.
1: Yes. Well, then we convert to a Roth. Sorry. We put it in the IRA first okay. and then it converts to the Roth.
2: And you immediately convert it? Like after like 48
1: hours sure. or
2: 40, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's and you only so you don't have any money currently in a traditional IRA, only in the Roth.
1: My husband does not. I have a little bit of like residual that I had never put into to the Roth, so that's a question on what what do I do with that? Because that was before I was doing the backdoor Roth conversion.
2: So the so. backdoor is tricky because you to make it really clean, you should be converting the whole amount. There's um, differing opinions on like what to make sure it's like technically a two-step transaction, like should you wait 30 days or 60 days or how long yeah. to convert? But um, the trick with the with that, so first, the two things. You're not eligible to do a traditional IRA because yeah. of your income and because you have workplace plans, which most people don't know. Everyone thinks that you can always do a traditional IRA if there's only limitations on the Roth, which is inaccurate. There's restrictions on both traditional IRAs and on Roth IRAs. The second is when you do a non deductible IRA and then convert, you have a couple things to be wary of. One is the pro rata rule, which states that they're using a proportion of the amount that you're converting, which is why you don't want to have any other IRA assets. And then the other one, which I've never run into, but is written about, which is like the two step doctrine, right? So, like making sure. You're showing that it's technically two steps. Most people have I've never had an issue with it. It doesn't mean that you couldn't have an issue with it. How much do you have in that residual traditional IRA? And that traditional IRA is non-deductible dollars or pre-tax dollars? I think it's non-deductible. It
1: is. Okay. Yeah. And it just
2: got left behind?
1: Yeah. So I think, and I might need to ask, um, it's in like a an account that was it was like my mom's financial advisor and so she's like you need to open an uh, an ira so i was like okay and just did that and then i think i, I just don't know what happened to it so, so
2: there's 30k in there so
1: i don't know that's if I not could... a little
2: that's not a little bit of money and it's are you sure it's not deductible none of that none of that is pre-tax i don't know
1: okay i need to confirm but i it's in the because i can see in the thing i have like our actual like roth and then there's this other account that is listed as
2: IRA that it's just like sitting there. Oh dear. You okay. I have a have, problem. You, you have a problem. Okay. Do you have an accountant? Who's been, do, who's been allowing you to do these non-deductible conversions <laughs> no, so, without checking it?
1: Well, so I think, so every year we've done the, like put in the IRA and then do the back door. And we've done that consistently probably for like 10 years or I forget how long. At
2: a, at DA, a DIY, like a, with no advisor on it. So yeah. no one said to you, Hey. Have you heard of the pro rata No one has
1: said that. <laughs> Not
2: good. I see this all the time. Okay, that's, nobody I mean, knows about it.
1: Okay, um, I'll write that down. But um, okay, so we need to basically take that
2: money and who's doing Wait. your taxes?
1: Well, we have an accountant doing our taxes, but there's nothing. And maybe I'm maybe I'm misunderstanding it, but um, that's basically just an account that's sitting there with that that amount of, of money
2: in there. So. It, but it doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, you have it; it's there. Yeah. And if it has mixed dollars amount in there, which it sounds like it probably does, if you started this years ago, to, if it was pre-tax and post-tax, you have two types of monies in that vehicle, and that's the problem. If you have a pre-tax and post-tax in the same vehicle, and then outside of that, you have another IRA, the IRS does not say you have two accounts. You have one. You have. They're looking at it as you're one person, yeah. right? And so when you're doing that conversion, they will basically do, it's a proportion saying, okay, you're converting this amount, but then you have these other dollars. So we're attributing another portion over here, which means you could potentially have more tax than you're paying. So you're not paying any tax, right? Because you're converting it. between cash, you convert. But the the thing is, technically, you have another IRA that needed to pay tax if there was pre-tax dollars because they're mixed. um, I'm assuming you probably have pre-tax in that other one. You have to verify that. Okay, I'll verify that. If you have pre-tax, you probably ran yourself into the pro rata rule. Okay. This is why I don't like, I mean, some people really like it. I don't like the conversions unless you're doing it very cleanly, which is you have one account that you're doing this with and no other IRA monies. Okay.
1: Um, Okay. So I'll I'll look into that. And I think what might have happened, was once I got, I've, I've always had the Roth. And then once my income was too high to do a Roth, I think I started putting it in the IRA. Um, and just,
2: had But it's all non-deductible. I don't know. Okay. Check that.
1: Okay. I'll check that. But I I think that is what happened. And then I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh no, I should be like doing the back door. And so I used the IRAs like to put the money in first and then do it. Mm -hmm. Even though that I never took out all of the funds in there into mm-hmm. the Roth.
2: The way that it was described to me when I was learning about it is when you, I don't like having accounts with mixed monies and yeah. this is the reason why is because something like this then causes a problem and people don't realize it's a yeah. problem. Um, the description was, which I think is a great visual when you mix the money types and then you want to make a change. It's like trying to take creamer out of milk. Okay. Yeah. That's not You've stirred it all together. Um,
1: and I'd say we haven't. I mean, and ugh, like, we've done our taxes through an accountant for the last like five or six years, mm-hmm. and nothing has nothing has come up as like a like an alarm. So mm-hmm. I feel like we're doing it, or not like breaking any rules. It's maybe just not set up in the right way that's beneficial.
2: I mean, so here's the thing: if the accountant doesn't know you have this other vehicle, he doesn't know. That you've hit the program, right? If he doesn't know uh, that you have an IRA with mixed dollars, yeah, right, yeah, that has pre-tax and post-tax, he doesn't know there's a problem because okay. he doesn't have so he any did. tax document stating you have this other vehicle. Okay, okay, well, that's something we'll look at. Yeah, so that's something to look at. I mean, your best case scenario is it's all post, it and then that's not a problem. I mean, and it could be. How do I you find that to, out? The statement should tell you, or you should be able to call and ask. It's okay. with an advisor, right? Yeah. So you just want to find out if it's all post-tax dollars or if it's a mix of pre-tax and post-tax and and this is what i will say what some people like to diversify amongst advisors and this is exactly why you shouldn't because if she doesn't know if she's managing this one account for you and she doesn't know you're doing non-deductible conversions over here she can't give you the guidance that like hey there's this thing called the pro rata rule because this hand doesn't know what this hand is doing. The accountant doesn't know you have two accounts, so they can't advise you because they don't, they're not seeing everything either because the accountant's only getting the tax documents and an IRA is not generating a tax document, right? Yeah. Because it's tax sheltered. So this is where like a very simple thing can get like a bit convoluted.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, which is kind of, I think like my, been my financial life. It's like, Oh, you need to like do this and save here and have this here. And like, done all of that but i don't think i have a good understanding of like in long-term financial planning like what some of the implications may be versus just like yeah, just save here and did. do that
2: yeah yeah hopefully you didn't hit it i and i think this is the problem in my opinion over like the last 17 years that i've been in finance there's so much stuff online and everybody is an expert and they're like you definitely should be doing a non-deductible ira and converting it no you shouldn't nor should you listen to some random person online who did it for themselves because it's right for them. Like my sister and I look identical, people think we're twins. We have completely different financial lives yeah. and do completely different things. Like when someone says it's right for you online does not actually mean it's right for you. And like I just saw a video this morning, it says not financial advice. And then she's explicitly says, you should do this. That sounds like, like financial advice. advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds exactly like advice. And while her concept might have good intentions, what she said is not necessarily right for everybody. And she doesn't explain whether there are any other options. And so I hear a lot and I'm seeing it. I would say so far this year, we are 26 days into the year. I have found four individuals. We are doing no meetings this month, zero meetings, four who have screwed this up. Okay. So I guess like the warning to the listeners is, Just because someone says you should do it online, like seek professional financial and tax advice first. And the only way to get good financial and tax advice is to completely disclose everything you're doing. Right. So that's the hard part with people. If you have like two advisors is one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing. And they're maybe giving you advice on one component, not knowing there's implications with the other. Same thing with the accountant. The accountant, is doing the best job but if they don't know there's this other vehicle that has mixed monies they don't know about the pro rata rule yes. right they wouldn't talk about it. so ideally ideally you have all post-tax in there and then you are fine then that's okay okay um but those monies have been invested right yeah which means if you go to convert it you have to figure out what the get ga- you're going to be paying taxes on the gains Absolutely. right because yeah. the okay
1: okay um we will i will follow up there and see so best case it is
2: Post tax. Post tax. All post and then tax. We'll be okay. Yeah. And okay. then and then gains. And then you can determine what you want to do. But from the IRS's standpoint, and I'm not a tax professional, but the way the IRS views it is one IRA. They don't don't differentiate that you have two different accounts with two different people when you're looking at the pro rata rule, like it's like they aggregate everything.
1: So I guess my question though then is because we say in like your traditional IRA and then a Roth, those they mm-hmm. don't view those as separate all of your IRAs
2: get aggregated together. Oh, got it. Okay. To, 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 to determine the pro rata rule, right. To determine what the implications are. They're going to look at all IRAs like includes simple IRAs. Anything with IRA is going to be included. And so that's why it gets messy when you have two. Yeah. Right. And then the problem really is the problem comes down to whether there are pre or post-tax and the pre-tax mixed together. That's the problem. If everything is post-tax, you won't have a problem, but the, not ideal for you is if you want to convert that, you have to figure out the gains, and you're going to be paying tax. So it is a taxable transaction for you for that. Yeah. Where if it was done before the money was invested, so you put in sixty five hundred and convert sixty five hundred, there is not a tax ramification there in yeah. theory. If it went from sixty five hundred, or let's just say you started with twenty, now it's thirty. To convert it, you're converting at thirty, so in theory, you'd have ten thousand dollars of gain yeah. that you would be paying on. And the other thing is then people say, do you want to withhold to pay the taxes? Do you don't withhold on doing a conversion because then it's a distribution and you're under 59 and a half and then you get hit with the 10% penalty. Got it. Okay.
1: Okay. So I think,
2: okay, that I will get some clarification. There. Okay, get some clarification <laughs> but, on that one. Sorry. I just, this is, <laughs> no, don't be sorry. I, this is the problem. I, I feel like it's like all over, like everyone tells everybody what to do and they don't know what the rules are. Yeah. Like they don't know what the aggregation rule of, AKA the pro rata rule is they don't know about like the under 59 and a half if you withhold and that's fine because they don't do this for a living. They just think it's a good idea for themselves. And then they go out into the world on a TikTok video and tell everybody they should do it too. Yeah.
1: Which I don't think that's where we got our advice from, but it was more than just like, okay, here, this is where you need to kind of move some of your money.
2: Okay. So you're going to check on that. Yes, I will check Um, on that.
1: But I will say, I mean, I think over the last minus this, like, I read that just has money in it. We have been doing the like, okay, sixty five hundred, then convert it to the to the Roth, and that's been clean. So it's more on just
2: what's going to happen with this. It's when you have mixed, yeah. yeah, It's when you have multiple IRAs and mixed dollars, yeah. So like the way I like to think about it is, you always want to keep your money types together, okay? Right? I don't like to mix them. Like your pre tax stay together, post tax, and then your Roth because there's there's three money types, right? Those are the three money types, yeah. Also, what I would be curious is if your workplace plan, because it's a startup, allows for non-deductible dollars in your workplace plan. I don't think so. They don't. And what about your
1: husband's? No. Is he allowed to do non-deductible? I don't think so. Yeah. We don't even have a Roth we, we don't have Roth options through our workplace. Okay. So we've just been doing our own independent in our brokerage
2: accounts, and then the 401k. Okay. Perfect. So, okay. So what do we have total for... Why don't we go through like emergency fund... 401k values Roth. Yeah. Okay. So
1: 401k. So my husband has 210. Great. And I have 664. Amazing. Is that good? I don't know. I feel like I'm That's like, great. okay, no, I don't know. And so I'm like, is someone going to pat me on the back? Did I do a good job? I feel, so I've been, ma- I've been trying to max it out since like I started my career around 25. So I feel like it's, yeah, I think that's okay. fantastic. Okay. So yeah. we have that. We have a a bunch of mix of like investments accounts, CDs, okay. savings, like I I'm kicking I'm kicking myself for like I just get so nervous of like something's going to happen that I just need like cash under the pillow,
2: which I know is not,
1: I couldn't, we could have made so much money if we did something with it over the last couple of years, but we didn't. So, uh,
2: but that's okay. You've also been in a very high expense period of your life with young children. Okay. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's, it's like literally a segment of your life. That's very, very expensive. And it's when you have young children.
1: Yeah. So we have, um, so we have 140 K and two separate seed high yield or not high yield savings, but CDs they're at like 5%, mm-hmm. right? So they're, we're Great. in like a 12 month CD, term with okay. them. Just in cash savings, we have another 65K.
2: Okay. So in between CDs and cash, you have over 200,000, 205. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay.
1: And we have, okay, let me do. So I worked at um, a, a tech company for a while that had employee stock purchase plans. And so I never touched that um, so there's about 650K just in that one company stock in employee stock purchase that I've left the company, but that's still there.
2: Okay. And you're fully, that's fully vested, fully um, vested. converted
1: or taken out of okay. the paycheck. So that's just sitting yep. there, which. I it's 650 in one company. Yeah. Okay. It's a great company. <laughs> yeah. And so that's why I don't know, like I don't work for them anymore. So it's like, I I have that risk away, but it's also a
2: lot in one yeah, and what's your tax ramification? Are there any, did you already, like usually there's a basis from when you purchase to the I th- value I we've currently. already,
1: I think we've done that. Okay. I can confirm, but I feel like when it was converting in my paychecks of like employee stock purchase plan, buy at 10% less, like that all, all already
2: happened and then it's just like in the- But it's grown like, since, uh, yes, right? yes. So that you have taxes on. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah. so if you bought it, we'll just- you got a discount on it yeah you bought it let's just say which is just round numbers yeah. you bought it at ten dollars it's now gone to 15 you yeah. still will have tax on that gain okay and there'll probably there be a ways... lot of tax on that gain yeah okay yeah because okay. you had it for a while which is fantastic um there are ways to unwind what is called a concentrated stock position which is what this would be okay um those are called a, believe exchange funds. So you go in and they unwind it to try and help with the tax mitigation and put you in a more diversified portfolio. Got it. Okay.
1: And I, I it's been a tough, like, I just don't know because like the stock continues to go up and up it and go up. up. And so I'm like, do we just hold on to it? till whenever like i i that's one where i'm like okay i don't know what we should do with that
2: the hard part with giving someone advice on that or talking yeah. about it is what for what I'll say is if what will happen is someone uh, any anybody with a designation in this profession will say that is too Ooh. much in one company. Yeah. Because if you walked into someone's office, this is just to give you like the flip side of it, and said, I just hit the lottery, I want a million dollars after taxes, I would have six hundred and fifty thousand to invest, right? Because they 30, 30 yeah. lose probably probably more. You probably have six hundred thousand. I have six hundred thousand dollars. What should what should I do? And if the professional on the other side of the table said to you, I have this one great <laughs> stock. We're going to put it all in there and it's going to, it's going to do wonderfully. And you'd be like, no, I don't want to put all my money with one company. Yeah. So, but the hard part is when you work for the company and it's done really, really well, the the downside is diversification doesn't always yield greater results. It mitigates risk, risk. but, but mitigating risk sometimes isn't fun because then you look at the stock and you're like, well, I would have made more money if I didn't mitigate the risk. Yeah. It's only if the company goes down, do you feel good about this decision, right? Like, and we don't know if that will happen. Could it happen? Yes. Could it continue to run up for another 10 years? Absolutely. From a risk standpoint, which is what most professionals help mitigate is it's too much. While you can, people do keep concentrated positions. You just have to be aware of the downsides. And so I always get nervous with that when you've worked for the company, because I'd hate to be like, you should mitigate your risk, and then it doubles again, and you're like, well, that was a bad decision, yeah, but
1: well you and still I'm know very, what will happen in the
2: future. Yes,
1: and I am very risk averse, so I've known mm-hmm. for a while that like you shouldn't have all these like all majority of your your wealth in one one company, but then like that was like a couple years ago, and it's continued to go up. so I just didn't yeah, know kind yeah. of like what are some of the options because I would like to
2: still keep a position in there. So one like reasonable, and I think it's like, I always like to compromise even just like with myself, like, why don't you could always unwind some of it and keep some of it. And if you believe in it, you can keep more in it. That's fine. And there's some other ways to mitigate your downside, which I won't get into because they're a little complicated for this, for the purpose of this conversation, but you could always mitigate your risk by taking some of it off the table. Just like if this is like, to me, this feels very reasonable. If I hate to um, use the analogy of gambling, but if you went to a casino with a hundred thousand and turned it into two, what I would do is put the other hundred that I won and then put it in my pocket and be happy and then just keep playing with the hundred that I I originally started, but at least I put some of my gains in my pocket. That's how I would do it. Okay. But I do think some some people will tell you definitively what to do. I think with that, if it's a good company, you work there, you like it. I think there's probably some arena of where you keep a good portion of it and then mitigate your risk with the other portion. Like take some of your gains off the table. Like every few years you say, I'm going to take gains out of this position. And if the stock continues to run up, I know I'm not going to make as much, but should the stock go down, I'm going to feel better because I took some of it off the table.
1: Yeah. I know. I feel like you always hear those stories of like, oh, an admin invested like, a hundred shares like 30 years ago and they never touched it. And now they're like, you know, have millions of dollars. So I'm like, Oh, maybe that would happen. Maybe. But I, I also don't want- mean, you're don't pretty want... close. <laughs> yeah. know. Um, okay. So okay, put we that on couple, the side. Yeah, So we have a few yeah, other ones. Okay. So that's that individual stock. Um, I have like an individual brokerage account for about a hundred K. We have about 60 K in our 529s for both kids.
2: Great. And did you hear that now, starting in 2024, if the yes, they can be converted to Roth if they're not used for education? Yes. Is
1: there only a 30K only for 30K 30, or 35,
2: 35. Okay, great. And that was a question. That'll of, probably change. I would think that would go up over the years. Okay,
1: because we've, my husband and I have talked about, oh, should we do like a brokerage? Um, I forget what it's called, but like um, a brokerage account. Yeah, yeah, for, for the But I feel like the 529, we don't have a tax savings in California with it, but it's just like it feels safe. and Tax shelter. Yeah. yeah. You're not
2: getting a 1099 on it. So that's great.
1: Yeah. So I think we're going to continue with those. And then, yeah, like I I don't, we haven't decided yet on like, do we want to fully fund their education? Like state school, private school, do they want to go to college? Mm -hmm. Like who knows? But knowing that that can... Transfer or use for like generations if if needed, or go into yes. the Roth. Like I the feel Roth. like, yeah. yeah,
2: you can do between siblings, between cousins. It can go to your child's child, oh, okay. which people don't realize. Yeah, so it, there's a. I really like the five twenty nine. I also like that there's no tax drag on it while it's growing, and I do believe that it has a ton of optionality. It also gives you control because obviously 18 year olds don't always make the best decisions. So it allows you to stay in control of what's happening as well. Okay.
1: Yeah. So we keep in those, we, they get birthday money and things like that. And we just put it, put it in. Um, and then depending on our variable commissions, like I like to start the year of just putting like a chunk in there versus like a monthly, but that, you know, that may change. So, okay. Okay. That's the five twenty nine. the Roths. Between the two of us in the Roth, there's what is that? 250? Great. And then we have one more just like, like my e trade account that I've like okay. played with. Dabble. So I have 175K in there.
2: Oh, that's a big dabble account.
1: I don't know. I just and, and but in there is a mix of like um, Vanguard funds and like that, and then maybe I've done a couple little stock picks, but I that's okay. too risky for me.
2: So that's just in there to like see what happens. See what happens. Yeah. Okay. And then the only debt, if I'm correct, is the mortgage. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So no, we paid off student loans.
1: No car payment. Okay. So yeah, the, the is the mortgage. Yes.
2: I don't see any issue with you switching career paths. Really. Well, because you're not living on your income. You're saving it all, which is fantastic. And I actually don't think you have too much in cash. You have 205, yes, fair a lot. But as you said, right now this is a very expensive part of life that you're in. And when anything goes wrong in an old house, it is never there's there's no such thing as a three hundred dollar expense. I've never had one, I've doubt you've yeah. ever had one. It's always gonna be thousands of dollars. You also then have cash. I would you could buy a car, interest rates are gonna be significantly higher than what you're currently yielding. Right. So it's probably going to be six, 7% to get a car loan. You could, if you wanted to, but there's like a little bit of a You want it. Like I like to buy the car, especially if you're going to drive it for 10 years, I wouldn't have the loan, buy it, be done with it. Don't have the car payment, especially if you're going to switch careers. And then it seems like you could probably um, get a job because we would stop the, you know, $1,000 a month, yeah. which is really more like 1500 probably when you roll it back up. So it seems like the only thing I have to fit factor in here is the property taxes. That's a pretty big bill. If you came in around your base, right, without your bonus, you would probably be fine. Still be
1: comfortable. Yeah, and I think the other thing that concerns – I mean, like, I've heard you talk about Social Security and, like, what that means. And I just get, like – you know, I have friends that work in public service, and they're like, oh, we're going to have our pensions. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Um, So I'm like – I'm just nervous for like, you know, is there going to be enough to like sustain us through longevity? (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I think
2: that's a real, real concern. Um, But given the fact that you have well over a million dollars saved and you have not hit 40, you have no debt, you have a very lean mortgage and you have very low cost of living. The first thing I noticed, right. So oh, I would say you want to stay in this job until you're young, get, I, I, just to get you a little farther away yeah. from the very expensive years, you know, when they're really little. Um, so maybe like two more years, yeah. to your daughter is in school. Yeah. In school. Um, I just think that would give you more peace of mind also being risk averse. Um, it gives you another two years to save. Yeah. Right. And then you could start looking for a job, I think that if you came in around where your base is yeah. with like a little bit of bonus, but I don't think you need to have a bonus that's doubling it. Yeah. I think you would be more than comfortable. Um, you would probably with a lower salary amount want to start saving for the property tax monthly okay. just to esc- escrow it yourself. I, that's what I would do yeah. if I was in your position. Okay. Um, and you could practice doing that now on a lower like i would try for the next two years which you're already really doing but maybe escrowing the property tax with your seven thousand because you're not living on it right yeah um or a month or two just to say like okay yeah actually i would be comfortable where we're not having as much to save every month but because i think there's a lot to be said for like liking your job as well totally you've done a really good job saving and i don't I think there has to be a happy medium between saving for the future, but also enjoying today. Like putting your head down and sucking it up for 10 years is a long time to suck it up. Yeah. And just to have more money. Yeah.
1: And I, you know, before I worked in tech, I got a master's in higher education administration to work with students and colleges. And I really liked that. And then mm-hmm. the first recession happened. There was no job. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this tech thing. And even my mom's like, just just try try it for a little while, just save and then maybe later you can like go back to what you wanted to do originally. And so now I'm kind of at that point of like, okay, did I do enough or can I, you know, let it go a little bit longer and kind of see what happens. So I think I'm always looking yeah. for like reassurance, but I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's hard because, right. And that's the thing that's like really tricky about this is like everyone's finances are the same, but what I like to see for people in, in order to succeed long-term is housing cost is usually the highest cost yeah. for people. And that's what really screws you up because if you're spending 7,000 extra compared to you on housing, well the only way to take a lower paying job is to probably change houses, yeah. right? It's the only way to do that. Yeah. So you don't have to do that. You have a really low cost of living relative to your income, which has allowed you to save a ton of money, which gets you ahead of the game, right? Because now you have compounding of interest on your side. So let's just add up. So uh, between, if we're thinking of it as joint monies, your husband has 210, you have 664. I'm not even gonna include the cash because it's not growing as much and we're gonna use that to offset some of the bigger expenses. But then with the individual brokerage account and then with the Roths and then with the very surprisingly large play account at (laughs) E-Trade, then um, the other little IRA that we don't know what's in there yet that comes to just over 1.4 4 million, not including the 529s because those are really for your, your kids. Yeah. Then if we add in this very large stock position, which, could, you know, fluctuate, yeah. you know, plus 650 there, you're at close to 2.1 million. Okay. So let's just say we use two as yeah. the number. You have 2 million, right? Just to be conservative. Um, and you're 30... Well, Almost 39. Yeah, almost 39 38 okay let's use 39 to be more conservative all of that is invested right because we didn't count the cash and cds and stuff because we're going to use that we'll say so then at 49 if you do nothing else and we just keep it invested and we get an average compounding return of 7.2 percent. that's 4 million at 49 and then at 59 that should be 8 million using 7.2% compounding growth, which is conservative. I saw a terrible TikTok this morning that used 20% growth. What? I was That'd like, be great. What? I was like, that would be wonderful. But like I think 7.2 is a little high. Like some people use six, yeah. but it's a just a good for could be higher, could be lower, somewhere in the middle. So then at 59, it's 8 million. You don't have a high cost of living. You didn't you didn't give me any line items that I see all the time that are like I have to have this, and it's a thousand dollars a month. Like you were, like food. Amazon is your big expense, so that's it. Really, isn't egregious given your income. Okay. Um, an eight million. If you were, that's a fifty-nine, which is quite young, I think. People also say like you shouldn't have to work your seventy. But what if you like your job? It's not bad for your brain to be working if you enjoy what you're doing. You don't have to be working full time. Yeah, um, I would
1: want not want. I think, and then healthcare. That's like the other thing that I'm. Healthcare sure. is yeah.
2: expensive. Yeah, healthcare will always be expensive, unfortunately, most likely. But if you had $8 million and it shot off 4%, which is conservative, that would generate 320000 a year. Oh, wow. And that's, I would say, I wouldn't, I mean, between my husband and I, too. So
1: that's more than yeah. enough. Yeah.
2: So I think you're fine if you want it to pivot. Uh, if I were you and I were in your shoes, I would do it once the kids once are got. slightly older yeah. just because you have less of those big costs for summer school aftercare programs and it gives you a little bit more time in my mind to get as much money saved by 40 yeah. and then you're just gonna let it grow okay okay that's what i would do that feels i think helpful. you done a great job i think uh fidelity came out i think it was fidelity came out with or one of the big mutual fund companies came out with like how much you should save by like a certain age yeah. and i think it was like one or one and a half or two times at 40. So you're like, well beyond that. So. Yeah. And I well, know, I well, mean,
1: it's that. hard being in the Bay area and tech and like seeing all this stuff. So we've tried to like not get in that, like, keep up with the Joneses mindset. Lifestyle creep. Right, yep. so It's real. Um, and mm-hmm. even like, you know, many still like to, you know, vacation and do those things. But like, I feel like I've just been really mindful to try to just like, keep within what we well it's all about
2: your priorities like so if your priority which it sounds like it is is to not have a lot of debt to have a comfortable non-stressful financial life and to have the optionality to change careers to a lower paying career to do something you enjoy more you've set yourself up for that okay now there are other people that would say i really like to have all this money i want to buy a second home i want to have twenty five thousand dollars a year for vacation that's a different goal right and like you would need to keep your job to achieve those things but you have a very reasonable cost of living especially in a high cost of living area so i think that you've from what you're showing me with what you have saved you've aligned to be able to take a step back income wise
1: great okay that feels helpful i needed some reassurance
2: Um, but like I said, a couple of years out, but yeah, yeah, I would do, you could technically, if you were absolutely miserable, do it today. I just think based on what you've said about being risk averse, I think you would feel more comfortable when we got your second child a little farther along. Um, but I think you're in, in a very good spot at this, at this time. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it was great. I'll say I, um, Started listening to a couple personal finance webcast or podcasts and I was like, I couldn't really find what I want, so I went on Reddit and you were recommended. And so I really? like, just by like some random redditor, or like Rhett was like, Oh, I really like Barbara Genchi's web or podcast. So I was like, Oh and I found you and then I like listened to everything in like a couple months and then I was like, you know what? I think I wanna go on this show. That's why I came.
2: <laughs> well, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, this was great. No, I think you've done a great job. And the only homework to do is just find out if you have pre- and post-tax yes. in that IRA. If yes. it's all post-tax, you're good. If it's pre-tax... You gotta work. Good. Yeah. Then we just Yeah. I would just let your accountant know. Okay. No,
1: that no. That's... Yeah.
2: Out. I don't want the IRS coming for me if I did something wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> Time for our disclaimer. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance references are historical and do not guarantee future results. Make sure that you consult with your own legal, tax, and or financial advisor before making any decisions.
0: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.